Welcome to the Blockchain Practitioners Podcast, where we interview founders, leaders, professors and experts in the blockchain industry about the projects they are working on. On this podcast, we try to learn about an industry which will in a few years affect the lives of us all. My name is Steve and I'm your host for this episode. My guest is Lars Schlichting. Lars manages a group of lawyers active in legal tech, in particular in the financial field. Experts in regulatory matters, taxation and new technologies, in particular blockchain. Lars and his team help financial companies in the difficult challenge introduced by the digital revolution. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Lars, Lars Slichting. Welcome uh, to the podcast. Um, yeah, we always start with the same question. Would you be uh, so kind to introduce yourself, please? Hi Steven, nice that you have invited me. Uh, so my name is Lars Schlichting. I am a lawyer in Switzerland, in the Italian-speaking part of Switzerland, but I'm working for with clients all over the world. Um, I am a former regulated regulator. I started my career at in Bern, in the capital of Switzerland, working for FINMA, which is the financial uh, regulator here in Switzerland. And then I moved to uh, one of the big four, KPMG, where I spent 10 years as a partner for the legal sector and uh, where I started to be active in the blockchain field. So I started to, to follow some clients uh, having some issues because, uh, I mean, this was the period of the ICO. So we did a lot of ICO, honestly. And then we started to, to grow and to do more and more uh, advice for more complicated um, requests of the client. And then I keep KPNG to start, I would say, a double career. So I started, uh, I work a part-time for a law firm, so the Swiss law firm, Keller Alscara, and the other part-time I'm working for a fintech project. I started with IDU, which is now P-Network token, and I also running a mining company and an, a, a very small boutique exchange, and I'm also involved in a cryptocurrency fund where we use um, bots, so agreement trading for traded crypto and we will then sell the funds to, to potential investor. So let's say that I'm very, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of everything. Yes, it's uh, quite a, a long list of, uh, of projects that you're working on. So your LinkedIn says that uh, you're a leader in digitalization, uh, especially in the financial industry, which is really important and really interesting for us. Could you explain a little bit more on what you focus doing? Yeah. Um, let's say so we believe that in the next years uh, the financial infrastructure will change so we we will not use anymore the, the, the infrastructure that we have today with uh, SEPA, Zwift as an example and we and we will go to a blockchain based infrastructure that means for the financial industry a radical change in the way our, the business is done because really you change the hearts of the financial industry and uh, as we all know, we say that blockchain is cutting off the intermediary and that is what will also happen. So uh, some intermediary will be cut off. Some other will discover new way of doing business. So I always say that uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency are not making the bank disappearing because we still need to have someone who will want to delegate the custodian because yes, I mean, we can do the, our own custodian for our crypto, but I mean, if you would have all your wealth in your iPhone, you will probably not feel so comfortable. So we still need 
uh, a third party. And my role is really to following our clients in this transaction. So I help them to understand what is blockchain, why blockchain will change radically the financial industry, and what they have to do in order to adapt themselves to this business. All right. Now, I, I understand that a, a big part of that would be the tokenization when, when you're talking about cutting out the middleman. And I was wondering, like, there must be a lot of pushback that you need to deal with, especially in the financial sector, not only with tokenization, but with blockchain in general. Could you enlighten us a little bit? Yes, I, I have to admit that right now um, my clients are mainly startup which want to change the financial system and not already existing financial intermediary that want to adapt themselves to blockchain. So it's true. Uh, I believe the tokenization will be part of this movement. Uh, I expect to have all the bonds, all the shares, all the financial products sooner or later to be tokenized. And once they are tokenized, because it's easier to, to exchange them through blockchain technology and therefore this product will be tokenized. And right now, the, the traditional banks, which have invested a lot of money into the traditional market infrastructure, they don't feel comfortable to say, oh, all the money we have spent for our infrastructure, we have to throw it away because now there is something called blockchain and we have to invest new money in this new infrastructure, which we don't know if it will work or not. So there are some resistance within with the traditional um, and financial institute to adopt blockchain. And it's easier for a startup, which has, I mean, they have not invested in a traditional infrastructure to start and build something from new again. I mean, they don't have to build nothing because they will use a blockchain which already exists, but to try to do a new business. So it is true that right now, blockchain will eliminate some intermediary. I think at, uh, for an example, I mean, uh, the repository, central depository, the payment system entity, I mean, all these will be cut off by blockchain and they will be not replaced, but uh, there will be some entities which will offering custodian services or exchange services which will take their role and, 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 and englobe all their activity. And uh, today we are also facing a little bit this war between the traditional financial institution which want to keep the old system as long as possible and the new startup, we want to launch the new system as soon as possible. So honestly, what will happen slowly, then suddenly we will see blockchain taking over the old infrastructure. Do you think that um, the big institutes and the big financial institutes, do you think they will be disrupted and then change maybe too late? Or do you think that they will be um, willing to change quickly enough to not become absolute absolute yeah that that's a good question i had the opportunity once to speak with uh a, let's say a member of the management of a big institute and he was very clear with me say look lars uh, we are maybe not interested right now to enter into this new technology is too new there are two risks we don't know them but don't worry if it works we'll purchase someone and we are in the day after. So I think this is what happened. So the big institute, they will try, they are not trying to fight it, but they are also looking at it. They know that this will come, they know it. 
they are just saying, oh, I don't want to use it right now because I make a lot of investment in my old technology. But as soon as this technology really is adopted, it will be, they will very fast purchase some player and, and, and adopt it. So okay. I think they will not be disrupted, but as soon as there's a request, they will adopt it and they will be so, also part of the new, of the new revolution. So their, their strategy is acquisition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you, we talked a little bit beforehand and you said that there was a new law coming. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the law that you were, we were yeah. talking about? Um, let's say that you know that Switzerland is uh, very, I would say, uh, a pioneer in the in the blockchain and crypto space. So we we issue a new law, which is already adopted by the parliament and will enter in force on the 1st of August. So it's sure that it will enter in force on the, in force on the 1st of August. And these new laws foreseen a new kind of authorization, which is the DLT trading venue authorization. So is an authorization for an entity which want to offer securities exchange. So we're not speaking of cryptocurrency like the usual exchange, but really exchanging securities token. And since we are doing this through the blockchain technology, the law recognized that these kind of entities need a lower regulation, a less uh, um, supervision than the traditional market system. Why? Because if I use blockchain, I cannot cheat. I cannot undo a transaction. I mean, every transaction is recorded. And so there are some elements which should allow the, the I mean, it's all of the, 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 the financial authority, the supervision authority to say, okay, if you use blockchain, then we don't have to supervise this and you can do your business without our supervision. So uh, long story short, um, if you think that a traditional stock change Stock exchange will need a capital requirement of 10 million. With a new law, you can start with alpha million. And also the procedural requirements are lower than the one of a traditional stock exchange. So uh, I believe that this law will give really an input for a lot of companies to create small marketplace where you can exchange securities. And this marketplace will be connected or with another in order to create liquidity. And what I'm expecting in the next years is to then see the traditional banks seeing this potential and to starting also having their own marketplace within their clientele, so with all the other clients connected with the other banks to create liquidity and to have the, the Swiss stock exchange since, since years, they are trying to create a, a, a DLT based stock exchange which will remain a little bit as the main liquidity provider and giving the liquidity to all these small stock exchanges. So that is what the new law says and the expectation that I have for this law. So another, uh, another big step. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about tokenization, um, but um, could you just talk us through the process? What is tokenization? And then uh, what are the things that uh, you help people tokenize and how, how do you do that? Yeah, um, actually tokenize something from a technical perspective is nowadays very simple. You just issue a token normally on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, the main issue is to say, what does this token means? What are the right connected with this token? 
because I could just issue a token and you purchase a token and this token is, is worthless. It doesn't have any value. I have to give this token a value with a contract where I say, me as an issuer, I recognize to the holder of these tokens a right. So it could be the right to, I don't know, use my services to purchase my, the goods that I'm producing, or it could be a financial right. So if these are financial rights, that's a security. It's the right to use a service, that's so-called a utility token. We can make an example with Ethereum. You know, the Ethereum is used for using the Ethereum blockchain, so it's a utility token. Nowadays, it's also a payment token because everybody's using all the Ethereum for payments. But the idea was to have Ethereum as a utility token, which is used to, to use the blockchain, the Ethereum blockchain. If you, let's say that I could tokenize the shares of my company and say to everybody, look, instead of having a paper share, you have a token, which is a digital share, and I pay the dividend to the wallet, which is holding the, the token, the share token. So in this case, the token is a security token and he has a financial right, which is the dividend which I'm, which, which I'm paying to the token holder. And the law, which we discussed before, uh, introduces another new thing, which is exactly this point of tokenization where I can now issue um, a, a shares, a bond or any kind of credit um, within the token. I don't need to first issuing them and then make a token which represent the product, I can really issue the product directly with the token. But the main important part remain, what is the reason why I issue the token? And what is this right that the token is giving to the, to the, to the token holder? Because that is what qualifies the token as a security token or a utility token or a payment token. Okay, so, um you advise in in the tokenization but how how are these rights established at this at this point in time is it a document is it going through a, a notary or, or yeah um let's make an example this morning i had a client coming uh, in my office and we did what we call the war a workshop about their token and no? they wanted to issue a token so I, I asked the client to explain me his business, and then we tried to design the token. In this case, it is a token which is representing a good. So if you can use this token to purchase the good. Um, and then there is also elements to make the token a little bit attractive because a, a simple token which gives you the right to have a good is not so attractive. I mean, why should I have a token or not money? So we put inside some elements to make this, this token attractive. Now, as you say, if I issue only the token, who is saying that this token that give me the right to purchase a good? And we have to issue also, no, normally you do a white paper or an agreement or a prospectus if it is a securities. And in this white paper or in this prospectus, you inform the public of the rights given to the token holder. So in my case was, if you are holder of this token, you are entitled to receive this good, which then there is also issues in it, which make the good even growing faster, because if not, nobody would purchase the token. Or if you have the prospect, let's say that we would have done a security tokens, we would have done a prospectus by saying, okay, this token is representing the shares of this company, which is this accountant, the accountants of the company is this, so this is the gains, these are the lost, and you're entitled to receive the dividend. 
like in a traditional IPO, exactly the same. So again, when you when you do the token, you have to make a separation between the technical part and the legal part. The technical part is easy. I issue a token. You have just to decide which standard, RC20 or, or whatever. The legal part is saying, okay, how can we fix that this token is giving the token holder this right and that's when which make then the token a security token, an utility token, a payment token. And we draft this disagreement. Okay. Now you have both been a regulator and a private user. Um, what would your main advice be for people looking into or companies who are looking into this technology um, based on your own um, experiences? Um, I know that there are many people thinking that blockchain is a sort of magical word which can solve a lot of problems, which, which is not the case. Uh, blockchain is solving some problem, but not all the problems. And there are many actions that can be done faster with the Excel sheet than with the, with, with the blockchain. So um, I have, I mean, I also experienced many times of people coming to me with an idea and they told them, look, blockchain is not the right solution for you. There is better solution for what you want to do. So my advice would be for, for the person who, who entered the first time in this world, would really be to make a test to understand what blockchain is. And the test is very simple. You just download a wallet. It, it, it's, I mean, one, just one. There are plenty of them. You opt for one, you download it. I would say more a decentralized wallet so that you also have to take the keys. You, you throw down the keys and you know what it means to have the keys of your wallet. And then you do on the second wallet, maybe with a iPhone of uh, with, a, with a with a mobile phone of uh, one of your employee, or I did it with my when I did it, I did it with my iPhone and the one the one of my wife. And then you purchase a token. It could be Bitcoin, could be Ethereum. I mean, cryptocurrency. Who cares? And then you transfer this cryptocurrency to one wallet to the other. By doing so, you understand that the transfer costs you something depending on the blockchain could be very high cost or very low, uh, that there are some time required to, to do the transaction. And that therefore, if you don't need to do a transaction, I mean, it's much better not, not to do it. And this helps you to understand where is that you really need blockchain and where you don't need blockchain. So blockchain, you need blockchain where you need to transfer data or value without the need and you cannot use a trusted party because if you can't use a trusted party and nobody cares if you don't you use a decentralized solution then don't use blockchain it doesn't make sense but if you need to have a decentralized solution because you it's better for you for your business and for what you're doing to not to have a centralized partner where we have to trust on then we could build something with, with blockchain. Uh, make you an example. One of the projects I have is the tokenization of trees. Uh, it could be a stupid idea from the beginning because you say, why should I tokenize tree? In reality, we know now that trees have a value. They, they clean the air, they make shadow, they clean also the water on, on, on the soil. And the, the community, so the, 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 the cities, especially, they have a lot of trees. And 
these trees have a value and they cannot take out the value of these trees because they are there. So the project will be to tokenize the trees and then to put this tree on the markets and to sell the trees and to recognize a sort of tax green credit for the people who have purchased the tree. So instead of paying taxation, you pay me, you purchase me my tree and I give you a token representing the tree. And we can, by using blockchain technology, and in this case, I need the decentralization for the marketplace, hmm, for sell and, 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 and purchase the trees, I can create a market with the trees, and I, as a municipality, I can plant new trees and sell these trees again and receive again money where I can plant again some trees or doing other, other activity. And, uh, and you see, this is a, an, an example, a little bit stupid, but that can show you where blockchain can be used and can have a, can have a sense. Um, a block, an example where blockchain is used, and I don't know if it really makes sense, is this, I mean, I, I saw once in a store, there was a, 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 an advertisement of a, of a chicken, uh, which was uh, uh, with a QR code and was say, oh, uh, supply is, is, is uh, um, controlled by blockchain. Okay, nice, but do we really need a blockchain to do this control of the supply chain? Maybe a centralized solution would be much faster, much cheaper, and, uh, and, and would have the same results. So when we discuss with the clients a little bit, if the, what is blockchain, that is also what we do. So we try to understand, do you need the blockchain? Do you need the blockchain? But what I would, to come back to your question, what I would say to, every, to someone who is entering this system is, just try it. Download the wallet, do the transaction, and you will see what blockchain is. That's great advice. I didn't know the example of the trees. That, that's really interesting. So you have to... to camps um, regarding blockchain you have the camp that just says it's a useful tool that will help um, make things go faster and easier and then you have another camp that just says that this is the new internet that this is an invention that will uh, change the world where on the spectrum do you fall then <laughs> um, I think blockchain will change the world but the most of the person will not realize it. Um, the great invention of blockchain is that will it, it allows automatization in the payment system. So I can really create uh, a system, and again, a stupid example, maybe we are not there technologically, but that is the final goal. Let's say that we have self-driving cars. And let's say that these self-driving cars, it's parked outside and uh, um, there is a, a storm which damaged the car. Now, the car system recognized that the car is damaged for because they, they connected with the weather station and they know that, oh, we, we get uh, um, damage by, 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 by a storm or the sensor say that oh, we get some damage. What's happened? The car can self-drive to the garage, get repaired, and once the sensor sees that the car is repaired, the car can pay the garage directly. So me, as a human being, I don't have to take any more the car to the garages and to let the car be and, and then to pay it and all this stuff. And even better, I could have the insurance, which is connected with my car, 
and they see that oh the car was damaged oh the car went to the garage oh the car was repaired okay then i paid the car because the car paid the garages so all this process one day will be automatized without any intervention from us as human being and of course we will still have an intervention of the human for the big transaction and all this stuff but for the very small transaction thinking of purchasing the milk uh, the, the, the 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 smart free uh, frigo which will say to the to the um, to the to the store send me the milk because i don't have the milk anymore and the frigo the fridge pay the, the store that will be all possible through blockchain and the people will not even know about it okay well thank you so much for this uh, enlightening conversation um if people would like to reach out to you personally um what would be the best way for them to contact you uh, you can find me through the social i mean on, on linkedin and i usually answer if someone write to me you can find me also on, on twitter uh, also using twitter so i think through the social is the best way to contact me okay we will try and include the these uh, these links in the description of the the podcast thank you so much lars um have a great day and uh, yes let's hope uh, blockchain conquers the world thank you Stephen, for an invitation and i hope uh, that also for your follower our discussion was of interest perfect thank you for listening to the blockchain practitioners podcast and we hope you learned something useful and new about blockchain and digital currency today if you are involved in an interesting blockchain project and would like to talk about it in an episode like the one you just listened to feel free to reach out to us. Also, please like, rate and review this podcast if possible and share our content with everyone you think would like it. If you'd like some more information on this project, you can visit us on Facebook or our website at theblockchainceo.com. Thanks again for listening and see you at the next episode.